Welcome to the Big Dreams Great Teams podcast with me, your host, Paula Maidens. I'm a mum of two, a hiring and leadership coach, speaker, ex-corporate recruiter and serial entrepreneur who is obsessed with teaching capable business owners just like you how to become graceful and powerful leaders surrounded by a team who perform like rock stars. On this podcast, we'll be talking about all things people, business and leadership because Big dreams need great teams. You simply cannot do it on your own. I'm excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. I'm on holidays on the beautiful Gold Coast at the moment. So today's podcast episode is a reshare of one of my most popular and powerful episodes. It's where I interview the amazing Melissa Froelich and we talk about how you can change the operations side of your business from feeling heavy and overwhelming when you're involved in all the details to feeling light and easy. And she dives into the detail of explaining the difference between a virtual assistant, an online business manager, or a director of operations. So it's a really, really powerful, interesting conversation, which I know is going to be perfect for you at this time of year. So dive in and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Big Dreams Great Teams podcast. Today joining us is the amazing Melissa Froelich, who is a sought-after business strategist, mentor, and certified mindset coach. And she works with established female entrepreneurs ready to own the role of being a leader in their business. I met Melissa late last year as we are mastermind sisters. And the reason I've invited her onto the podcast today is to talk about all things operations. So Melissa has evolved into her current role as a mentor and a business strategist from working inside other people's businesses, supporting them on the operational side. So working as an OBM and a DOO, which is a director of operations. So she is the go-to lady to talk about how you sort out your operations and how you make that side of things feel smooth and beautiful. So a very big warm welcome to Melissa. Hello and thank you for being here. Paula, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm super excited. So cool to have you here. And I can't wait to just pick your brain and talk about all things operations. But for anybody who hasn't heard of you or met you before, do you want to introduce a little bit about your business and tell us how you've gotten to where you are and what you've been doing? Tell us about you. Sure. I have a little bit of a fun story to what got me in this world of online business. I was working in a Fortune 500 company here in the US and really working as an operations director, executive assistant to the global sales VP. I was that gatekeeper of all things, you know, like organizing the people, making sure the right meetings were happening and doing things like hopping on the private company jet and going down to another office for the day and working or going to Taiwan and, you know, organizing a big, huge international sales meeting. So I had the cushiest job. It was super fun. I was on the fast track to doing whatever I wanted really in the company. I felt like people kept saying like, what do you want to do next? And I was like, well, I love this. I don't even know. Like I was just enjoying it. And then I fell in love. And so (laughs) that's where everything changes. I met my now husband, thankfully, that it worked out because I decided to give up my corporate job and follow him across the country. Like if you think of the United States, we were on the West Coast when we met and he moved all the way to the East Coast because he was in the US military. And I thought, 
I'll just go get another job. I'm super well connected. This isn't going to be a problem. Well, what happened was it was a problem because we lived really rural and people started finding out during my interviews that I was associated with someone in the military. And so they thought, oh, we're looking for someone long-term. So I kept getting these really polite, gentle, no thank yous. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Because I don't want to run into this every time we have to move, which was going to be every two to three years. And so I started exploring the world of online business, which meant doing a lot of Googling and stumbled across that idea of being a virtual assistant, finally landed my first gig. And I was making like, I don't know, a very, very small fraction of what I was making (laughs) in corporate. I don't even know how to do the percentage, but it was okay. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to learn what this looks like. And quickly worked my way into the position of being an online business manager, had no idea, didn't know, didn't even know that there was a title for that. Like I just did what I did in corporate, but in the online space and learned how to support business owners in the way that they needed so that they could stay in their zone of genius. And so that was kind of my path. And then what happened is I got pretty successful and booked out. And my peers started coming to me and asking me, can you help me? Can you teach me? And so the coaching and mentoring side of what is now my business was born very quietly. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome around it. And I kept it quiet because who was I to be a coach? I was still figuring all these things out. Fast forward to now. And I now support a lot of people who are service providers or moving from the service provider space into wanting to do more consulting or coaching. And the bulk of everything that I do is consulting or coaching at this point, but I have a very strong love for the operations side, understanding roles, growing right fit teams. And so when I met you, I was like, oh, she's my people because (laughs) this journey has been, I've been on both sides of it. Now, as I'm growing my own business, like realizing, wow, I have to really put to the test, the things that I learned and saw that worked and didn't work and, you know, lean back into all those things that I've experienced. Amazing. I want to dive right in and just sort of clarify some things. So when you talk about operations, what's your definition of that? Like what part sits in the operations like side of the business or what falls into that? Is that, I mean, I like to say that that's everything other than I guess the client facing delivery stuff, but is that how you define it or what falls into operations for you? Yeah, I would think that it's everything that makes the business continue to grow behind the scenes, right? The operational components, meaning sure, there's the client facing stuff that, you know, we as coaches do because we are working with our clients, but like, how are they getting to us? How are they getting onboarded? How are invoices being sent and money in and money out? Like all of the different containers of the operational pieces and parts that keep the wheels churning of that big business machine, right? It's not the, and then the systems are going to be part of what make the operations move well. But I think that that's such a good question because when you are not somebody who loves the operations piece like me or like you, people are like, I don't even know what that means, right? What is needed to keep your business running on the day-to-day, right? What does that look like? What are all the things that that continue to the moving parts and pieces that the unsexy parts, I think, of the business, right? But the really, really necessary ones. I know that's not a very like crisp and clear definition, but I think it it depends so much from each individual business. Yeah, definitely. And I loved you. Thanks for sharing that. I didn't, I didn't acknowledge. Thanks for sharing your story and go you for being so brave and, and diving into just <laughs> learning how to turn what you loved in corporate into being a business that you could do and live anywhere around America and around the world. 
You mentioned that you started out as a, a VA, a virtual assistant, and then you sort of evolved into an OBM, online business manager. Can we just clarify for anybody listening as well, what's the difference between those two roles? And for yourself personally, you started out doing one thing and then you evolved. Can you explain that a little bit more to us? Yeah. So the virtual assistant, right? I like to say like, they're so important. They are so, so important, but really the person who is going to do a lot of implementation, task taking, they're looking for somebody to tell them do X, Y, and Z, and they go and make it happen. Kind of the, the worker bees of the organization. And so I was doing a lot of that. And I was also strategizing a lot with my clients and figuring out, okay, I hear what you're saying and here's how we're going to put X, Y, and Z into motion. And oh, by the way, did you think about this? And then when I stumbled upon this term of online business manager and found that there was a certification and went through that, I was like, but I'm already doing this and I've been doing it for a while. Just didn't understand that managing a lot of things behind the scenes in the business was a whole different role than where I had started as somebody who was looking to somebody else to take tasks and make them happen. And both roles are incredibly important, right? In their own unique right. And an online business manager, when I did that work, it was a requirement when I went to work with a client who was looking for an OBM that they would already have a virtual assistant on their team or be willing to hire one within the first 90 days. So it's like those two roles, I like to always say, are kind of married together and really important that you have both. And so many people don't understand that. Otherwise, then the manager gets into all the doing and when they should be spending a lot more time managing. I love that because I know that a lot of the people that I talk to, both from a business colleague perspective and also you know, potential clients and clients, a lot of people are looking for this unicorn, amazing VA or amazing assistant. And what they mean is actually somebody who can bring strategy, bring proactivity, bring ideas to the table. But what you've just clarified and pointed out so beautifully for us is actually it's two different things, like a really great virtual assistant or administ assistant by definition is a doer. They execute tasks and things that are, are given to them. That makes them amazing in their own right in just doing that. And actually, if you're suddenly feeling in your business or you're looking for somebody who can support you in strategy or bring ideas or make suggestions about what you should be doing differently, then it's not about looking at your current assistant and thinking, oh, they're not good because they're not doing that. Actually, it's a different role. It's a different skill set. It's a different thing that your business is now suddenly needing or you'd like to invite in. Absolutely. And I think then that brings the other layer, right? And there's a lot of terms that get thrown around out there. And I know that we're going to touch on them, but integrator and director of operations. And Let's I think there. that they get, they, they get, <laughs> they get um, used kind of incorrectly a lot. And let's talk about director of operations and integrator along with what we've talked about, the virtual assistant and OBM, online business manager role. These often get misused. They often get used synonymously. Is there overlap and a lot of similarities? Yes. And they are very different. And so I'm going to go back to that virtual assistant and really clarify that that's the worker B. That is the person who is making sure that tasks are getting done. Then we layer on the online business manager, the key word in there being manager, right? That person is going to be managing. That person may be managing projects. They may be managing the team, meaning a virtual assistant, a social media manager, a tech VA, right? 
like you were saying, so many people come and they're like, I need this unicorn. You're describing four people, (laughs) right? And so really helping to kind of suss that out and make sense of all of those different roles that can be fulfilled. So then on the next additional role that we would want to talk about would be the director of operations. So the difference being, again, that word director, they're at a director level. So if we go back to thinking about corporate, right, a director would be above a manager. But all of these people still are making sure that the visionary, the CEO of the business, that their ideas are coming to life and that they're sticking to a plan and that things are being thought through strategically and mitigated and the director of operations is going to do more strategy than an online business manager would do. But that's not to say an online business manager couldn't also strategize. And that's not to say that a virtual assistant couldn't strategize or a social media manager, but it's sort of the level at which the focus around that being a major part of their role. All right. So it would be totally normal for a a business owner maybe making high six figures, definitely seven figures to have all three of those roles in their business. The director of operations, who's going to be more alongside in a partnership role with the CEO, and they're going to provide a lot of strategy. And then they might be sharing that strategy with the business manager who is then going to manage to make sure that the strategy gets put into place and that the team is carrying all that out. So those are kind of those three. Now I'm going to throw the wild card in, integrator. This one gets thrown around all the time. And I feel like I get to talk about this because not only did I become a certified online business manager, but I became a integrator through the Integrator Masterclass Academy as well, because I love all things nerdy strategy that you can possibly absorb. An integrator can do all the things I just talked about. They are really that, I would say, key role between the visionary and the implementation piece of the team, right? They oftentimes are the good cop, bad cop. They're listening to the visionary and all their great ideas and saying, and you said that your key objectives were X, Y, and Z. And if we do that, you're going to have to, you know, change the priority of this. And if we do that, that's going to impact the team this way. And they're listening to the team who is having challenges because the visionary wants all these things done. And so they're the ones kind of in this mitigation role in a lot of ways, but understanding the strategy, keeping the visionary totally in their role because they're supposed to be operating in their zone of genius doing whatever it is that they're doing. So they bring the vision of the visionary to life in a very strategic way. So you're probably thinking like, well, how's that different from a director of operations? Typically speaking, for the pure form of it, integrators are often found in companies that have employees and less likely, less in the traditional sense in the entrepreneurial space where everybody is an independent contractor and usually in bigger teams, 15 to 25 people at a minimum, up to 50 or 100, right? So bigger, think bigger integrator. That does not mean that somebody can't call themselves an integrator and that they work with solopreneurs who have a small team. But traditionally speaking, and for like the ease of our brain, also that term is really popular because of the entrepreneurial operating system, which is Gino Wickman, who who wrote Traction, and then Rocket Fuel, which is Gino Wickman and Mark Winners. Mark Winners created the Integrator Masterclass Academy. So that term is really popular with a certain type of entrepreneur, a certain type of entrepreneur who usually has big teams and is really in the multi-million dollar revenue space. Again, there's no rules. There is no integrator police <laughs> that's coming to tell you, you can't call your team 
member and integrator or somebody can't call themselves that, but just for the sake of like understanding. And again, this is a very high level breakdown of it. Absolutely. I love that. And I guess I'm sitting there putting myself in the position of our listeners and thinking, okay, so if you're sitting there thinking, I'm the worker bee at the moment, I'm too busy doing the things, then perhaps you need a virtual assistant, an assistant to hand over the things to somebody. If you're sitting there thinking, I'm sick of managing all the people or managing the things being done, perhaps you need that OBM, online business manager, or a project type manager to come in. If you're looking for somebody to come in and help you sort out strategy, take your ideas and turn them into a plan that can be then broken into tasks for someone to do, that's not you, then perhaps you need that DOO, that director of operations, or maybe it's an integrator, depending on, you know, how many people you've got and how much, I guess, you know, when you're talking about integrator, I wrote down how much support you need actually translating your idea into something that's workable. And I think that this comes back to as well, like one size doesn't fit all. And although there's definitely like a standard path that we see lots of online businesses growing through, which looks like, you know, solopreneur, amazing, capable, doing all the things. They add on some sort of assistant, which is often a virtual assistant. Then they get some specialist roles. And at some point that becomes too much to manage and they shift to an OBM type of person. Like there's a bit of a standard path, I guess, that a lot of businesses grow. It's not a formula that you have to follow. And one of the big things that I work with my clients on is getting really clear about what you're like as a leader and therefore what suits you and what's the right design of the team for you. So I loved that clarification and and conversation you just had around the integrator because some CEOs wouldn't need somebody to help them translate their strategy into a workable plan because some CEO entrepreneurial brains actually can do that translation themselves, whereas some people need that conversation and that bouncing of, hey, I've got this idea and I want it to look like this and somebody to, someone of strength and knowledge and experience to be like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That's taking you off on a tangent. This was your plan, et cetera, et cetera. So I've loved that. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. And, you know, is that actually what you've seen as well? Is like that it does come down to the the personality and what the background, the skill set of the CEO in the role? So much. Um, And, you know, there's great tools out there, which I'm sure you use with your clients. I really lean into the Colby, the Colby A a lot for just assessing tendencies and matching that against what they say that they're looking for. And I found that, and part of my kind of pivot from not doing OBM work and moving way more into strategy is so many people were coming to me, solopreneurs that were ready to finally have help. And they were kind of at that 250 to like $500,000 mark annual revenue US. And they were like, I need an online business manager because they'd heard that term somewhere or somebody in their mastermind had told them. And I'm like, oh no, actually we're not even close to that right now. And so I realized that what they needed was education. They needed strategy. They needed to understand who they were as a leader in their business, not just the person who was making money because they were in their zone of genius. Like, what did this look like? What was the vision for the company? Making sure that they had someone that would come in and fit culturally. So I started moving into consulting and saying like, I have this experience. I have this lens from 
actually doing the doing in this role and being behind the scenes in so many people's businesses and seeing where they get this wrong. And my love is strategy. So let me help support you uncover who it is you're actually looking for and how to empower you to then be the best leader you can be when you hire the right team member. And nine times out of 10, it was never that they were ready for an OBM, they were ready for a virtual assistant or a virtual assistant and a social media manager starting with that correct foundational space. And like, oh, thank you, because it saved them, you know, the wrong hire, but a lot of money, they were able to be more empowered with their decision. And so like, that's the trend that that I usually see is, it sounds good. I just need a manager because usually people who are like, they're overwhelmed and they're like, I just need somebody to do all the things, right? And that sounds good in theory, but when you don't even know what do all the things means or what that looks like, or when, just like you asked me, what does operations mean to you? When I ask somebody that they're like, I mean, I don't know. I just do it all. It's in my head. Like we've got to figure out who you're actually looking for. So I think starting with somebody who can help you with a lot of things that you don't necessarily need to be doing, but need to be done in order to keep the business going. And that once you take the time to show somebody how to do once they can continue to do that. And then of course, look for improvements, right? And a lot of times it's that virtual assistant role that is like going to provide that first exhale for people. Absolutely. It's sort of like free up your time by handing over what you're already doing and you know how to show someone really, really well or easily, and then give yourself the space to think, what do I need next? Absolutely. And I think that regardless of where you're at in your business and your business growth, you, we should, we, I'll say we, because we're both entrepreneurs leading businesses and teams ourselves. I mean, we should always be asking ourselves that question. Is there more I can be handing over? Do I still need to be doing as much as I'm doing now? So, you know, it's the first question you ask yourself when you're hiring your first assistant and your first support person, what can I hand over? But actually, I think it's something that we always need to revisit. You know, I'm attached to these things, but should I still be doing them? Can someone else learn this? Can someone else do this better than me? Does this need to be me? And it's definitely something I, I love almost untangling my clients from because most things in our business can actually be handed to somebody at some stage, you know, with the exception of often five to 10%, which has to be done by you. Yeah. That queen bee role, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's like <laughs> only we can do that, but man, figuring that out is actually really hard. Like that is for me anyway to really get clear on what is it instead of the things I tell myself that only I can do, but to get really clear on, and can I delegate that? Like, it's just, it feels hard to release it all. So I have compassion for the people who were resisting when I was trying to help them. Cause I'm like, I get you now, right. <laughs> on a different level being at this stage of business. I think actually that's one of the really, be- I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think that's one of the beautiful things of actually working with somebody who's also a business owner, an entrepreneur themselves is that, you know, they have that understanding in their belly of actually how challenging some of these things are that, you know, from a consulting perspective that you're asking them to do, it's like, it's hard to hand things over and it's hard to trust that somebody's going to do it really well. Absolutely. It gets tricky. Yeah. You know, when we talk about the operations side of the business and the back end, I know that for many people growing businesses, it feels like it's just sort of one foot in front of the other. I don't want to say simple, but like it seems it's simple-ish, all the things you need to do. And then, and I know for many people, they wake up and suddenly it just feels heavy. Like operationally, it just feels heavy. All the things feel too much. Overwhelm kicks in. From your experience, what's the difference between a really messy operational side of the business and one that's 
working well or operating like a well-oiled machine, as people like to say. This is hitting home for me today. So I have two answers to that. One, I think a business that is like has good operational hygiene, we'll say, has documentation to support the systems and processes, right? Standard operating procedures. That there is a contingency plan that if the person who is responsible for doing X is ill or, uh, I don't know, goes MIA, that somebody else could walk in and follow an operating procedure to get necessary tasks done. I think that that is like the insurance policy that every business needs. And I'm shocked how often that's not in place for these booming businesses, right? And it's just like, well, it's all up here. It's in my head. Oh my goodness, let's get it out of your head. So that's one piece of it. But when it feels, so I'm going to go into you know my mindset coaching piece of it here, when it feels heavy, and this is why I'm like, this is big for me right now. When it feels heavy is when you don't have the right team in place when you're missing some components of your team. And I say that because we have grown a lot in the last year, like faster than I anticipated. And I pride myself on having really clear operational procedures and we do a great thing. And I have a great team, but we're missing some pieces. And so we're picking up extra parts of the daily operations because we're moving faster than we have the infrastructure to support in terms of team. And so it feels like operationally things, there's so much going on and oh my gosh, that the the springs are just going to burst out at any moment. That's not true, but that's how it feels, right? It's feeling like the pressure is boiling. And if I don't figure out these other team members and who they are and bring them on, then it's just going to explode. It's not going to happen. And I want to share that because part of my work is like being really transparent and saying like, I get this and I feel this and I experience it and it's normal. The difference is in the CEO version of myself now versus two years ago, I would just hired someone like you. I have access to lots of great people or I would just be like, just send me a person. I just spent last week revamping my mission, vision, and values. It is very important to me that I get the right person in there and I do it correctly and that there's alignment. And so having to like take the right steps and trust the process, like that's where I'm at. So it's two parts and pieces. Do you actually have all the things documented? Do you actually have systems to support your operations, right? Is your operations that somebody's doing it all manually? Well, let's see how we improve and enhance that, right? There's that side of it, like the nuts and bolts of the operations. Then there's like, how is it feeling operationally because you have the right team to be supporting the operations that are in place? I know that probably was a little bit of a tangent too, but I'm like, I think there's the energetic side and the, you know, structural side of operations that can feel heavy. I love that. And I love also that, you know, what you said is when it's feeling heavy, naturally we want to go for a quick fix, but actually it's usually the time we need to pause to slow and to do some analysis before we move forward. So I love that you shared that, I don't know, the temptation, I want to say, to just grab someone and and shove them in and fill the the apparent hole that we think we've identified. Yeah. And what I did a couple of weeks ago when it was feeling really heavy. And again, it's not that I have the wrong team. It's I need more of the right team. We have the right people, but we need more. And it was feeling really heavy. And I wanted to just go hire somebody, just patch the boat. Right. And instead what I did was I came upstairs and I cleared off my whiteboard and I redid my org chart and identified the gaps and then put 
the roles in that we needed to hire for. And that calmed me and that eased me. And somebody might be listening to this podcast and they're like, that sounds good in theory, but what does that actually mean? Like, that's how you can help them, right? Like, I know that because I've, I've done this for other people and I have that operational background and that brain, but that exercise alone and then pairing it with, okay, who does this person, I see the role and who do they need to be? in terms of personality and cultural fit and really bringing the vision to life and what are our core values and all of that. And like, I'm like, Oh, I'm acting like a real CEO of my business <laughs> versus the two, three year ago, me, I would have been like, Hey, Fiverr, Hey, you know, Facebook group filled with VAs. Can somebody help with XYZ? And 700 people are going to say yes. And that's not the way to do it. Doing it the right way is I mean, it's work though. I think that's what I want to acknowledge, but it pays off. It saves you money in the long term. And I think also we, you know, when that tendency or that temptation to just grab someone and plug them in, I think what people don't realize and what I want to share is that if you don't take that consciousness to it, that sort of analysis and planning and that making that step forward from that grounded place, like you've just talked about doing, then our future business gets shaped by whoever we plug in and how that person integrates with the team. So often what we then end up with is something that doesn't feel great to us down the track. And one of the other things that's really normal when we're growing our business is to start with people who are doing generalist roles. And then as our business grows, it is a matter of often shuffling around, okay, well, you were doing this, let's pull this over here, moving people into more specialists, giving them more responsibility to own certain sections of your business. So it isn't always just a matter of plugging somebody in. Often we do need to look at how it's structured and an org chart's a nice way to visually see that and work out who's going to do what and move things around. So thanks for sharing your experience of that. And I feel like, <laughs> I, you know, and I feel like that's everything. And everybody that I bring on to the podcast to interview, I think everybody so far, they're specialists in their own right, like you, but they're also entrepreneurs themselves. And I love hearing from both sides of it. I love hearing, you know, your own story and how you're applying it in your own business, as well as how you help clients. So in that vein or on that path, can you share with us a little bit more about your team? Sure. Yeah. I have, we're going to say a business manager, but as I was listening to myself today, I'm like, she is going to then become the DOO when we do our next hire. And that's Katie. And she started out as a mom and fellow military spouse who knocked on my door after we had met on a camping trip. And I had tried to explain what I did. And she was intrigued. And she came and said, is there any way you can teach me what you do or tell me about it? I'll pay you. And I was like, you're above average and you're nice. Come sit with me. And that's like how it started. And now she has been with me for, we actually lived in the same neighborhood in Las Vegas. She now lives in Germany and the time zone is awful for us, but like, I wouldn't trade it for the world. She knows my business as well as I do. She can bring the vision to life. I can say, Hey, I want to create this new program. And she asks the right questions to, you know, fill the gaps and then gives it to the team. We also have a, um, I would say like an operations assistant, executive assistant kind of catch all role that we're trying to clean up and turn that more into a client management community liaison role. And the, one of the roles that we're going to be hiring for is a an operational assistant role. So doing a lot of implementation and taking that vision that Katie is so good at 
putting into a strategic plan and bringing it to life. We have a social media manager and we have like a a marketing director and I have a podcast manager, but my core team, I would say, you know, is Katie, who is my DOO. We'll call her that as her official title, but she's my right hand person. (laughs) And then that, that community manager, community liaison, client care role, and then two people who are really responsible for the social media marketing side of things. So really the shifts for me this year are going to be having more of a digital marketing manager with probably two support roles under that. That's one shift that I need to make. And then bringing in this operational manager, but also who is willing to do some implementation, a lot of implementation to support the director of operations role. So that's what we look like now. And what I'll say is there's been periods of time where it feels like, ah, this is like, this is what it should be. And I've always kind of hired for what I'm going to grow into. And then what's happened is growth happens really fast. And I feel like, oh my gosh, how did I get this so wrong? But that's not really what's happening, right? But that's what you feel because it creeps up on you and like, I need more team. And so it's like everything, there's an ebb and a flow and there is a balance, but constantly being aware of how do I continue to dial this in? How do I get more people who can make this business run to the best of its ability? And that piece doesn't fall on me so that I can be operating in my zone of genius. And I just wrote that into the vision for the business. The three-year vision is like, I don't want to be managing the team, like in any capacity. I want that to be somebody on the team's job, right? I'm showing up and doing, I'm, I'm explaining the vision and the direction, but the operations to make it all happen and the management and the communication of that is being done by everyone else. I love that clarity. I love that you've written it down. I love that you're sharing that with your people. <laughs> and Katie gets to hear about her role changing to yes. a DOO via this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Elevating. <laughs> I, know, I love that. I love that clarity. And I guess it's that confidence and that grounded energy with which you're talking it through, which I love the most because ultimately it's backing your own decision and moving forward and hiring from that place that actually will give you the success as well, as opposed to that scrappy, oh, oh, I don't know what I need. Someone told me I should get this person, so I'll just go and give that person a go and just see how that works out across my fingers. Like I feel like when we move forward and we invite anyone onto our team, if we, when we do it from that clear, grounded place where we know how this fits into our three-year vision or our 12-month vision or whatever it is that, you know, where you're at, I feel like that in itself goes a long way to setting you and your new team member up for success. Well, I feel like this has been an amazing conversation. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared. I'm sure that people are going to play this back and be writing down all the different roles and thinking about how it applies to their business. So that has been amazing. And I feel like there's so many nuggets around, you know, what you've shared around what potentially people need to clean up in their business, um, what they can actually start working on. Is it documentation? Do you have systems? Do you have this contingency plan? So if somebody doesn't turn up, somebody else knows how to do it. Does it feel heavy? You know, if it feels heavy, perhaps it's time to pause and to look at what needs to be done. So just so much today. Thank you. I'm sure people want to come and get to know you a little bit more, join your world and start to to connect and chat with you. So how can they do that? So I spend a lot of time in my private Facebook group, the Up Level Lounge on Facebook. I also have a podcast, uh, the Up Level Lounge podcast. We talk a lot about 
real life experiences in business and the mindset piece that plays into all of that, like what to do and how to keep moving forward with ease. And then Instagram, Melissa Froelich underscore biz. And that is super hard to spell, I realize. Um, (laughs) But I'm sure that Paula will have it linked in the show notes. I love Instagram DMs and I spend a lot of time in my Facebook group. So either of those places, feel free to reach out. It's always a treat when I get a message from somebody that says, hey, I heard your podcast or I listened to this and it's like, oh, you, you feel like you impacted somebody and that makes it all worth it. So I really am approachable. Would love to hear from you. 